I Heart My Lifers. If you're anything like me, you probably think that stress and building a business or going for your dreams goes hand in hand. And trust me, there are plenty of moments of overwhelm. There are times where you need to work around the clock to move forward with a a mission or to hit that goal, but it doesn't have to mean constant burnout and putting your health at risk. So today's guest on the show is Sarah Kaler. This is someone who I've become super close with over the past few years. She's someone I admire and someone who inspires me on a weekly basis. So Sarah is the CEO and co-founder of Soul Powered, a women's leadership and research company. And she started her first business at age 20 and spent 10 years in a senior director role at Lululemon, helping it grow to a multi-billion dollar company. And Sarah is someone who has experienced burnout. Not just burnout, she experienced grand mal seizures so bad that at one point she had six in one week. And that was thankfully enough of a wake up call for her to start to shift and change her life and really put a focus on her health. And she's living proof that you can continue to move forward with your dreams without putting your health at risk. And that's really, really important for all of us super driven people to hear. And Sarah is a great example of what a true leader looks like and someone who makes massive impact in the world. So if that's you, if you're looking to continue to move forward with your dreams, to be super successful and to have an incredible livelihood and beautiful health, then this episode is for you. She truly shows us that anything is possible and that getting to the top does not mean putting your health last. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Welcome to the I Heart My Life show with success coach Emily Williams. Tune in daily to learn how to design a life you love, create more success and wealth, move past fear and blocks, and bring more joy into your life and business. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, it's so great to be here. So excited to have you. And truly, your story is something that many people will be so interested to hear because of what we just mentioned, because everything that you went through, and also I know that you had a lot of success at a really young age and have an incredible journey to share with us from that perspective as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I can definitely talk about that. Yeah, so for me, I find that all of our guests have this turning point in their life. And so I'd love for you to take us to the point before that happened with the grand mal seizures and and all of that. And just tell us a little bit about your life at Lululemon and what was going on around that time and how you got there. Sure. So uh, something that some people know, but not everyone knows, because I get asked a lot about Lululemon, of course, which is... um, often people's first question, but before I was recruited to go work for Lululemon, I was an entrepreneur and I started my first business at 20 years old or ripe 20. Um, and I came from this family of entrepreneurs. So I thought that was normal. And I actually was still in university. I was in my senior year at university and I thought, well, it's probably time, right? (laughs) It's probably time to start my first business, right? 
Um, and I, I was rearing to go and I was studying alternative medicine, as you mentioned, and I had started practicing yoga religiously. And it at the time had really changed my life. I had come from competitive athletics. I was a basketball player primarily and had traveled a ton all over the country on, um, competitive teams through the amateur athletic union. And I have my sort of like poor family. I put them through a lot. I was a soccer player. So I had this, you know, kind of crazy life through athletics and training. And so yoga was not my thing. Um, And then it became my life. And I really went through this spiritual transformation, which was new for me and then started uh, studying the healing arts and across cultures and countries and um, it took over my life and uh, I opened my first business which was a yoga studio and um, from there I was very successful in this building this community and then I decided well you know Women at that time, it was like, I mean, a picture like late 90s, early 2000s, when the sort of yoga movement wasn't what it is today, right? Like now it's everywhere. It's it's the, yeah. you know, I mean, for the last, I mean, 10, 15 years, even more, it's been bananas, right? Totally nuts. And then it was, I mean, there was probably only a handful of yoga studios in Seattle. I mean, that was it. And so there was really these you know, big communities, thriving communities growing. And at the time I wanted to bring women primarily gear that worked for their bodies, that felt amazing, that we could move and breathe in because everything felt like it was sort of made and built for a man and we were fitting into it. And so I went on this research journey to find the gear and I found this tiny little company in Canada called Lululemon. And of course, as I was this crazed entrepreneurial mind and young and naive to some degree, I approached them and lo and behold, I became one of their very few wholesale accounts in uh, the United States and the very first in Washington state. And they had no stores at the time in the United States. So, and I mean, they were like not even doing e-commerce. So I started this relationship with them. And then a few years down the road, I was so successful selling Lululemon. I had grown this huge, um, boutique, retail boutique. And, uh, they said, we want you to come work for us and grow Lululemon into the United States, grow the brand. And I was like, no, no, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I don't work for other people. In fact, I had made a a statement, a declaration that I would never work for anyone else. And my husband at the time sat me down and said, Sarah, I think you really need to think about this opportunity because these people are entrepreneurial, have very big vision, and you might just love this, right? So after some thinking, I decided to go for it and give it a year, see how it was, and it, you know, it ended up being a ten-year, <laughs> a ten-year commitment in the end, right? So um, let me you know, pause right there for a second. I have a few questions. So I love this. I haven't heard all of these juicy details, not everything. <laughs> And the one thing that's standing out in my mind is you're doing something. You start this yoga studio. Not many people are really doing that. So what was it that got you into yoga in the first place? And what really encouraged you to take that leap and do something different? Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. I, um, I had always been so active and health was important to me always. But I think because I was such a natural athlete, I 
you know, movement and my body, I was always in my body. I was running, I was lifting weights, you know, I kind of came from this other world of training. And then I, I got to university because I, I, oh, here, this is important detail. I chose to not go play basketball in college, even though I had an offer, I decided to turn it down. And that was a big decision at a young age, right? Because I just decided I want to go do something big with my life. Here's the thing I always knew, even when I was a kid, I knew that I wanted to go make a big contribution in the world. I knew that sort of corny, cheesy thing. I want to go help people, right? Like, doesn't everyone say that to some degree, right? So I I knew that. And I I remember having these, (laughs) now I laugh, these conversations with my family about it, you know, way back, even as a child. And I knew I wanted to be a mother. I always knew those things as a tiny kid. And so here I was making this decision. I thought, you know what? I don't, I don't think I want to play basketball anymore. So I was in university and I kind of went through this like crisis of sorts because for the first time in my life, I was no longer on a team. I was not training around the clock and I needed to find a new sense of self and identity. And so I really went on this spiritual journey in a way of finding a new way to relate to the world and myself. And I started to study and that's what really got me into some of these alternative and complementary practices, but also like studying Buddhism and mindfulness and, and, you know, different Hindu practices and different things. And I just became fascinated and my mind blew open. And then when I got on the mat and you know, I got it, I couldn't get off. Right. And, and I just recognized that, you know, who I was in my life was who I was on the mat. I mean, you know, the, the whole thing. Yeah. And I was, and I was so young that I, I think what was interesting is for me at that time, it was a solo journey and I really hadn't had a solo journey. I had always been with people and naturally, even though I've always been in sort of an extroverted environment, I'm very introverted naturally. And so for me, that solo journey was so nourishing and it was, it was just soulful. And I couldn't have been more fascinated by what I learned and what it also not just informed me about myself, but how it allowed me to then interact with the rest of the world. That's so beautiful. And I feel like that story illustrates doing what feels good so beautifully. And I'm curious to know what gave you the strength or the confidence to turn down the basketball opportunity and to do something different? Like, I'm so curious about where that comes from for people. You know, for me, I think I grew up in a family that, and I'm, I'm really fortunate for this. I grew, and I recognize this now as an adult. Um, I grew up in a family that communicated that my voice mattered and my decisions mattered. And even if, you know, my family didn't agree, <laughs> you know, ultimately that I had ownership in those things. And I think for me, I became self-reliant at a, you know, a very young age, you know, maybe I was prone to that, but I was also in an environment where that was reinforced. And so I was very fortunate to have not only parents with, 
you know, extremely strong communication skills that whether I wanted to talk about it or not, I was probably forced to. And that, you know, that sense of, you know, we're going to sit down and, and, and have an intervention about this decision because, you know, that's what we do. And we're going to talk through it so that you're informed about, you know, as much as you can be about any choice or decision, how this might go or what this might mean for you. And what's your why here, you know? And, and that for me at a young age allowed me to understand a bit more about risk taking and be more comfortable, even though there were areas of my life where I did feel really uncomfortable with the unknown. But the more that I practiced being in uncertainty, uncertainty, I got more comfortable. Right. Oh, I love that. The more you practice being in uncertainty, you got more comfortable. I really resonate with this because, you know, my mom was there with me when I turned the car around and didn't go and get that degree in Chicago. And she was super supportive. And I think that foundation and that, you know, encouragement to follow your heart and to trust and that whatever you decide is okay. I don't think everyone has that. And we have been really blessed to be able to experience that. Yes. Yes. And I think, you know, I think sometimes, uh, you know, whether it's in business or, you know, professionally or in life, sometimes it's over glamorized that, you know, we just, you know, we leap, we take these leaps and it's just, oh, it's awesome. right. And, and it's just, it's just not like that. Right. You know, it's hard. It's rough. There are bumps or challenges or tears. Right. And, and sometimes for a long time and, and then we, you know, we come out of it wiser and stronger and that, you know, that for me, you know, sometimes is and often really, you know, the grit that has has made my life really, you know, the most beautiful and, and divine, I would say. And yeah. even at a young age when I was making some choices and decisions, whether I was fully conscious of it in the moment, it led to some really great opportunities. Totally. So take us back to the Lululemon period. I know for me, I remember life before Lululemon. Specifically, I was at this hot yoga class and all the cool girls, I was I was new and all the cool girls were talking about their new yoga pants. And they're like, where do you get your yoga pants? And I said, oh, I think these are just J. Crew or whatever it was. And because they had some like, I don't know, sweatpants range. And they're like, oh, well, we wear Lululemon. And I was like, what is that? And there was just a little showroom down the street. That was all that was in our town at the time. And so I remember and then everything started to take off and I became a uh, huge fan as well. So tell us a little bit about it. You ended up working there for 10 years. Yeah, I love that you just mentioned a showroom, actually, because. I opened the first showroom ever in the entire world for Lululemon. So for anyone listening there who doesn't know anything about what we're talking about, <laughs> showroom is this tiny mini shop essentially that just has a small selection of sort of core line and it goes into a community before a big store. And then the, you know, the community gets built, the product gets out there, studios and gyms and athletes get supported and and it grows and it's this sort of beautiful build of the community and um it's it's really purely built on relationships and it's it's this incredible experience because that really took off like wildfire across the united states and um the seattle showroom was the first one and 
that was like the very first project that I was tasked with uh, yeah. when I was hired. So it's funny we're talking about that. I don't think I've ever shared that on an interview. Um, and, and then from there, uh, it was really building out the West Coast, Seattle, San Francisco, Portland, you know, LA, and then across. I mean, just it was literally like an explosion across the United States. And for people who were watching it from the outside, of course, felt that as the brand moved very quickly. We were opening 30 to 50 stores per year. We went, we had an IPO, went public uh, within my first year being there. And I mean, my roles changed rapidly. Of course, I was so driven naturally. I'm achiever naturally, but I was, you know, I was in incredible roles and I, I mean, I worked really hard. I, I, you know, I like to think about in that classic sense. I sort of became that corporate warrior You know, I was on airplanes all the time. I, um, you know, if you'd interviewed me back then, I would have told you I absolutely loved my life. And I was married, um, I actually got married two weeks before I started at Lululemon. And so I sort of feel it matched the trajectory of my, of my marriage, um, which is interesting. So we've been through a lot, um, yeah. um professionally, you know, together. And, um, yeah, I mean, I loved every minute of the, in the sense of I literally got my MBA in real life and probably then some because we built, a, you know, a multi-billion dollar company, an international company and a brand that everyone wanted to be a part of. And for me, I got to run, you know, the majority of the United States business. And, you know, by the time I was 28 years old, I, ha I was running a th $300 million company and, you know, as the United States division. And I didn't even think twice about that. You know, I mean, it, it was just my world and my life and thousands of people reported to me under, you know, underneath me. And for me, people development, team development, leaders, that's what I, live and breathe I wake up in the morning for and the the P&L and the business that comes through developing people and the culture that's built is that's my jam that's what I love and so that time felt so incredible and you know the part that came with it was you know the wake up call because yeah, let me pause there for a second. I want to come back after the break and talk about the wake-up call. And I just want to share, you know, how exciting it is for me to hear you talk about all of this because I think a lot of people think that they need to have everything figured out before they take that big job and they might not go for it. They might not feel qualified. And you're talking about on-the-job learning, MBA in real life. I love that phrase. Um, and especially as entrepreneurs, we feel like, Sometimes it's a guessing game. Sometimes we know what we're doing. Sometimes we're figuring it out as we go along. And I just think that's yeah. a really great reminder of what's possible and that it's okay to also learn as you're in that role. So let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and Sarah's going to tell us about the big moment where things started to shift for her and what happened um, after that and where she is now. So we'll be back in a second. 
The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. All right, we're back with Sarah Kaler, the founder of Soul Powered. And Sarah has been telling us all about her experience working with Lululemon, really helping to shape the brand, helping to spread it far and wide internationally, create a multi-billion dollar company at a very young age. And it came with a lot of highs, but we also have heard that it's come with, that it came with a a few lows as well. So Sarah, take us back to that time where you started to really change how you were seeing things. Yeah. So, you know, as I was saying, the growth was incredible. The, the, The work itself was incredible. And I started to realized that there was this level of denial happening in my life. And I had never really experienced that. As, as I was saying earlier in our conversation, I, I had always been really active and healthy and I never really had anything really traumatic, you know, within myself happen um, that would cause me to completely rehaul my life. And um, somewhere around like 2000, you know, like 2000, seven, um, my, I started to have some health issues come up and it kind of just started, you know, I was exhausted. Shocker. Right. I mean, I'm in a different time zone every week. I'm having to sleep through the weekend just to wake up and have enough energy to get through my weeks, you know, and in the kind of business that I was in as much fun as I was having and as, as much as I was sort of on a high, as much as I loved it, I also, I had to, like, I had to completely, like, restore myself constantly because it never sleeps. The, the business, like, the retail world, and much of any industry is this way now, right? Like, the, the world is moving so fast that companies never sleep. They're operating 24-7, and my roles required of me to be on all the time. And so I start to realize I was sleeping through weekends, like during the day, I could not stay awake. And at least, you know, I started to just sort of ignore things like that. Like I thought, Oh, it's whatever. It's normal. Everyone does it. But I, I just, you know, I I just didn't think of it. And then were you pregnant um, at the time as well? No, no, I I hadn't been pregnant yet, but I had in my goals that I was, you know, I had this, um, I had this really clear sort of 10 year vision and these goals and for, you know, my personal life and my career and my, all these different things. And they were all, you know, and I talked about them. This is the thing. Like my husband and I would write them together. And so on, on the surface, everything looked good. I had even at one point bought my house all by my, bought our house all by myself. I paying for the cars. I mean, I thought I had like made it like I thought, you know, I really thought like and you had oh, by the outside looking in. Like I thought, wow, like I am an executive. I, you know, I'm on my way to my first child. We're building a family. Like we're doing the things I've dreamt of my whole life. Like this is incredible. And then, you know, the, the first couple seizures hit and 
they were grand mal seizures. And, um, of course, off to the ER, tons of testing and met with a, you know, neurologist who diagnosed me with epilepsy. And where were you when the seizures happened? Were you working or at home? Actually at home. Um, fortunately. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, I think what's really interesting and for anyone who's listening to this, who has, you know, relatives, family members, or, or knows of anyone who has experienced anything like this or something similar where someone is waking up out of being unconscious, right? Whether that be an injury or a condition or, or anything. Or even metaphorical, maybe. Yeah. Or even, met- exactly. There is nothing like, you know, especially if you have experienced it yourself, waking up from being unconscious, um, and certainly from having a grand mal seizure where there is a state of recovery that one you have to go through. And also there's this series of, um, there's a period where you go through where your, your brain's not clear. I mean, you have thoughts internally, but you can't articulate them yet. And then you go through another period of realizing what has happened or being confused and, you know, kind of coming to, and, I'll tell you, this is how in denial I was, right? These are the days back when we used Blackberries, like iPhones weren't a thing yet. Yeah. And I missed, they, they had taken me into an ER and tests. And at one point I had to stay overnight and because they weren't sure I was uh, safe to go home and like maybe it would happen again. And I remember I was laying in a hospital bed. They put me in a private room and my parents, my husband, my sister, we're all there and we were trying to figure out like who would stay or who was going home, you know, for the night. And uh, I'm laying in my bed with my Blackberry. Yeah. Inbox, like the whole thing. Right. And my husband's like trying to take it away and call my boss. And you know, this whole thing is happening. And in my head, I'm thinking, I don't have time for this. It's like right? the scene in friends with Phoebe, like in the hospital bed trying to work. And I don't mean to bring friends into well, it, but I can see it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was on, and I think now about myself then, and I know that this is still very true for many people out there who are listening or who know people like this, right? This is very true for many people because our work becomes our identity, Right whether it feels somewhat addictive or we love it so much we can't let go or it just becomes our whole world and we don't have sense of self outside of it, right? And for me at that time, I loved my work so much. It was my whole world. I mean, I loved my husband, don't get me wrong. I loved my family and yet I was so deep in it that I actually had lost a sense of self outside of it. And there was such fear of if I were to fully feel what this thing might be, or if I actually were to accept that someone just told me I had a neurological disorder, I could not, I could, I was not at a place where I could accept it because I did not know what that might mean, right? For having a child. I did not know what that meant for the rest of my life. I did not know what that meant for my career. And it, frankly, it made me feel at the time out of control. Right. And so Blackberry, right. And my husband was bless 
him, right? <laughs> Taking all the things away and, and you know. What did he my, think at the time? Well, I mean, he was just there in just perfect form. He's like so calm and grounded and, you know, like we've got this. Yeah, I remember um, so many times looking at him and saying, I'm going to be okay, right? And he would say, yeah, like, yeah, you're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Like, so and I know I, from your story, that's not the darkest moment, though. No, no. And, and I, I often would ask him that question, you know, when I would finally kind of get grounded myself, right? Yeah, and so things started to episodes would happen every so, you know, six months would pass, a year would pass, and I would think, oh, I'm good, right? Got it, you know, I heal. And, oh, probably important to note, I would get, sometimes during episodes, I'd have severe injuries, like dislocated shoulder. So extreme things would happen, and I would have to go into rehabilitation. And I was doing all this while doing my executive roles, right? Yeah, did and anything change? Did you take on less responsibility? No. 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 And I would do it under the radar. I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't. Only very few people at work knew. So most of it was all kept under the radar. Um, a lot of my direct reports did not know. And, um, you know, and, that, and for me at that time, again, this was part of me not always knowing how to how to identify with how the how that context and that environment was going to operate with this reality, right? And um, yeah, that was that was really challenging. And then you know, I the 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 sound or like what I like to say, the calling got louder because the episodes kept coming and they got worse, right? And so with each one, it would it would sort of weaken me in a sense, right? Because I didn't, I wouldn't have that same, you know, state of denial. I would, I wouldn't be able to sort of get back up. And I was to the point where doctors were saying, Sarah, you can't have a baby. You have to be well enough. And that was the moment that I went, it was my rising strong moment. I was saying, okay, anyone can tell me no in business. I can take it. But when you tell me no to having my baby. Mm -mm. I was like, <laughs> you're not oh, available no. for that. Well, I weeped the whole way home. And then I said, we have to get this together. So we spent probably, you know, nine or 10 months, like really working, um, on getting me healthier and ready to go. And then I got pregnant and, you know, I got cleared clearance <laughs> and then, uh, we got pregnant and it was this huge turning point and we were so happy and we thought, oh, you know, we're going to, so I had a, I had, I had to be monitored. It was sort of this higher risk situation, but pregnancy was fine. There was concern, of course. And then, um, and of course I'm in my big role, right? <laughs> Flying around, That's still there. Pregnancy, you know, refusing help with my suitcases and all the <laughs> You can imagine. And then um, after I had Jackson, my son, uh, when he was uh, five weeks old, I had six grand mal seizures in one week. And I was carried out of my house on a stretcher twice that week. And I will never, ever, ever forget that week. Gosh, and I just got goosebumps all over my body. Six seizures in one week with a newborn. And I, ha I still to this day, I have a lot of 
um, sort of there, you know, again, anyone listening will understand this. I, you know, post-traumatic stress from, from difficult situations. And I have a lot of visuals from that week of seeing my sister holding newborn Jackson in her arms and being carried out on the stretcher and knowing in that moment, two things, the two things that I cared about so much in my life, right? that I wanted to make a big contribution in the world, and two, that I wanted to be a mother, I was unavailable for both of those things. And that meant no more, I was done. And everything had to change. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting emotional just thinking that because I can see the vision as well. I, of course, wasn't there, but seeing that and, and knowing that I haven't experienced that, but there are things that resonate with me in my life that are similar. And those big wake-up calls, sometimes it takes something like that for you to pay attention. And oftentimes those are the catalysts for the biggest change you make in your life and also some of the the biggest and greatest gifts. Absolutely. It was the biggest gift I could have received. And so many people ask me, they say, how can you be grateful, right? How can you be grateful for that, for that week or for some of these huge moments where, you know, I've had specialists say, Sarah, you're, you know, you're playing with your life. You're, you're lucky you, you know, in some of those moments, because you, know, you, I had specialists many times say, you're putting your life on the line by doing what you're doing. And I did not listen at the time. And now I feel so grateful, so much gratitude for that week because I spent a lot of it unconscious. And when I came to and I had that baby boy there, you know, his, I, I just, you know, everyone tells you, everyone tells you when the baby arrives, everything changes. And it's true. And I remember when um, when I was so sad that they had told me I was not healthy enough to have a baby, um, Gareth, my husband, had said to me, our baby's spirit is already here. We just haven't met wow. him wow. or her yet. That's so beautiful. So I've officially cried a few times on this show already. Um. <laughs> I remember, right, then, then, the, then there he was, and I thought, it's now my responsibility to show up. Amazing. Right. Yeah. I mean, what else, I mean, what, what, what else is it going to take, you know, to, to, right. what else is it going to take? <laughs> like, so it's like the calling doesn't get much louder. Right. Right. Yeah. So what so, happened after that? How did things change? Cause you were so, your role mm-hmm. was everything, like you said, and, and you obviously wanted your motherhood, the role as the mother to be everything too. But how did you yeah. figure that out? Well, I mean, it's still a practice, but it's, um, you know, it is, I'd say that next year I didn't actually leave my corp, my corporate career for probably a year and a bit. You know, I, the, the very first thing that happened was I moved into my dream role, which was global director of, uh, all training and development, culture, leadership, uh, for Lululemon worldwide. And that was my dream role. I had been working towards that role. So we knew actually before I went on my maternity leave that I would transition to that role. So when I went into that role, we moved to Vancouver, British Columbia. I was in an office. I didn't have to be on airplanes all the time. I got to 
go home, you know, at night in the morning. So I was with, you know, my family a lot more. So that was step one. So sounds odd, but we moved with a newborn, right? There were some steps um, that actually immediately happened um, that started to create boundaries and started to create some new non-negotiables for for me and our family that had not been in place. And um, that was huge. And then the other things, we went on this massive exploration around nutrition and health and sleep. And I mean, even down to the glasses of water I was drinking per day. I mean, and that was fascinating because again, we always thought we were healthy people. We always thought, uh, you know, we had a lot of information. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, And what had turned out, you know, we had to go through this big paradigm shift because I was the kind of person that had this big job and, you know, we fly all around and then we like go to the gym and say, Oh, I got to work out. And I get on the elliptical, right. For 45 minutes and think, Oh, thank God I worked out. And then maybe I go to my yoga class. But what was happening is I was compounding stress over stress, over stress, over stress. And for me, now this isn't for everyone, but for me and my body and my system, it doesn't work. Right. So I've learned that for me, movement, exercise has to look a different way. And I have learned, you know, through not just that immediate year and a half, through taking certain actions and some experimentation, right? You know, through nutrition, movement, sleep, you know, all the different combinations, self-care, time on, time off, you know, vacations, like really looking at the whole, like really my life holistically, and understanding my values more deeply, I think, and saying, okay, what does my unique body need? And it's not what you know, maybe the world is projecting in terms of norms, or maybe even what my good friends need or the people around me need. And I actually really need to turn inside and, and develop that practice and that system because I, everywhere I looked, looked and whatever I tried wasn't working and was creating more of a problem than a solution. Yeah, I can really relate to that because there are definitely days where, you know, I plan to go to spinning class and I get to that time and it's like, I don't need the loud music. I don't need like rushing, rushing, rushing for 45 minutes. That's actually not going to serve me. And so I make a different choice, but it takes you giving yourself a level of permission to do what's right for your body and actually be in tune with what's right. And some experimentation. I know for me, it's not been an overnight thing in terms of what works. Um, so you have to be open for for that experiment for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's pause here for one second. And then I want to come back and talk about where you are today. Because, I mean, truly, we could film a lot of episodes with you, Sarah. And I'm sure we will because there's a million things to talk about. But your work with women and leadership and the movement that you're creating is so, so important. So I want to take some time and talk about that. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health. Sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older. Until now. 
Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. Okay, we're back. It's Emily Williams here, and this is the I Heart My Life show, and we have the amazing Sarah Kaler from Soul Powered here with us. So, Sarah, I'd love for you to tell all the listeners a little bit about your company now. Let's fast forward a little bit and talk about what Soul Powered is and the work that you do in the world. Yeah, so you mentioned at the beginning of the show that Soul Powered is a women's leadership education and research company, and we definitely have different uh, segments or divisions to what we do. And, I mean, ultimately, we are a massive stand for women in the world uh, developing leaders in the world. And, you know, one thing um, I'll say, you know, is me and my my business partner, Brenda Wilkins, and our whole team are committed to creating um, opportunities for women not only to grow into the, uh, you know, the CEO founder role, right? We are passionate about having women be fully equipped both within their strengths and their skills and educating them, right? But we are really committed to creating a power network of um, really skilled and equipped and strong women, you know, worldwide who have the resources and relationships both at you know the entrepreneurial level and at the executive level, and and that have a community around that, um, and that have the um, education that's really truly necessary. I mean, we see women's empowerment everywhere right now, and it's incredible. We are living in a time that I mean, we are living in a women's movement, right? And it, it is one of the most um, important and uh, inspiring times. It's also I mean, there's probably not been a more important time for us to to do this work, right? And so I think, you know, it's fascinating because when I started the company, we weren't as in this time, right? You know, it was 2008 when I started Soul Powered. And so it's really interesting for me to now be in this moment that we're, you know, recording this interview uh, because it it feels all even more relevant. And um, I think what we're ultimately committed to is having women um, really just skyrocket and soar. And, you know, not just from the obvious perspectives of equal opportunity and equal pay and all the things that we are standing for, but we, you know, we want women to um, really, you know, take their voices back and say, okay, you know, not just anything is possible, but let's, let's hear um, the real stories of strength and let's look at what does it take to outlast and perform and at a soul level what is it going to require of us to be resilient and resourced and skilled to build 
world, you know, I mean, world-class companies in, you know, truly um, indestructible teams. And, and while doing that, lead in our communities and lead our families and lead, you know, beautiful lives that whether they're truly, you know, simple or truly uh, connected and, you know, give, giving back. I mean, whatever, everyone has a different vision of their life. And I think what's important is that we recognize that leadership is not just a title or leadership does not just exist in one context, right? And I think oftentimes women will um, come from a career where they think of it in one context where they think, well, I'm not a leader or, you know, I'm ready to step into that to this next role and we kind of want to eliminate those sort of old paradigm definitions right if you will and yeah I remember when my dad when I was growing up my dad used to say you really want to be a leader like you want to show up as a leader and that was the word that I heard all the time so much so I was like oh I'm so sick of hearing about this and what does that even really mean for me what does it even really mean right so I think we're we're interested in redefining both what it means for a woman to lead in today's world, and I would say across generations, right? So what does it mean for a woman who is a millennial today? And what does it mean for a woman who is 65 today and living her fullest life, right? Because, you know, newsflash, we are gonna live longer than we have ever lived before, right? We are not all going to retire at 60, 65, right? That's just not reality. I can't imagine that. (laughs) I know, you can't imagine that, right? So, I mean, and we are, you know, we're thinking differently about that. We're also, um, you know, we're thinking about strength and, you know, what does it actually mean to be strong? Not just this conversation of, redefining success. I think that's a conversation that is out there loud, loudly, but what does it actually mean to be strong in order to lead, right? In order to lead at your highest level, whether that be in your organization, your, your company, your business, your, your profession, but in order to have, uh, you know, the skills, the strength, the resiliency, the resources, the relationships, in order to restore yourself, right? I was talking about that earlier, what is, you know, what does that look like to be your strongest self? And we're really interested in that conversation. And we're doing a lot of work in that area, really, I would say, is our, is our specialty, because that is what we believe will truly make a woman and a leader indestructible. That's, that's the language we use, because in order to outlast this, you know, sort of crazy pace the world's at right now, or to get you know, connected human to human to, you know, not just weather the storm, so to speak, but to be the women leaders who change the climate, right? The ones who, right? The ones who create the new conversations. We have to have a new type of strength and we have to know how to access that at all times. And that's the work we, we do with women. What are you most excited about in terms of soul powered and what's to come in this next chapter? Well, uh, we have a lot happening this year, um, as usual. Um, very soon, we um, we're excited. We haven't announced this um, anywhere publicly yet, so oh. we can announce it here, I yeah. suppose. <laughs> um, 
depending on when we release this, I suppose. Um, but we have partnered up um, with Forbes, and we're going to be um, launching a column on Forbes um, around women leaders and much of what we're talking about, actually. Stories, real stories of women leaders and stories of resilience and strength, stories of um, sort of untold stories. You know, how did women get to be who they are today? Right. Oh, not just that's the my favorite thing to learn to unpack. That's what this show is yeah, about. Yeah, not just the sort of tangible steps of you know how did you get this role or how did you build this company, but we want to know some of the stories of strength. Yeah, that's so exciting, amazing. So you're going to be interviewing people, or will people submit their stories to you? No, we we will be interviewing women and um, sharing stories and really you know rich, uh, deep stories and we're really excited and they'll they'll be really across industries um founder ceos executives so there'll be um will be wide variety beautiful be- i'm so excited for that for you congratulations yeah thank you i'm excited it'll be um really really fun for the you know for everyone i think for the whole community And so one of the questions I love to ask on this show, and you've probably shared a little bit of the ways in which you've been able to do this, but how have you been able to create a life that's better than your dreams? Mm. Well, I say something I for sure mentioned is boundaries, right? (laughs) You know, um, getting really clear on what my boundaries are. And that might sound somewhat um, tangible or boring, but um, for me, it's really empowering uh, because I am... I think of it this way. I know without a doubt now what I am a complete hell yes for. I mean, like energetically, I know where my resonance is and I can check. I actually have this little little thing I made up way back in the years when, you know, I was learning and experimenting. Like, how am I going to know? Like, how am I going to know how to make choices and decisions? Because I didn't really completely trust myself. Oh, I to can't be wait to hear this. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, as I was, you know, healing in that first year and a half and I was, you know, the food, the nutrition, all that, you know, I was getting so, I had this whole support team helping me, but I thought I have to make a lot of decisions. So I've got to figure this out. And so one of the things I made up this little, I call, I call it a filter. I just made it up. And so what I do, and I just do it real fast. And the first thing I check is, is this decision or choice, whatever it is in front of me, I ask, First question is, is this in alignment with my top five values? So you gotta know your top five values to ask yourself this question, obviously, right? Yeah. But I, I just do a quick check, yes or no. And that's my first filter. Second filter, does this Im, you know, improve all areas of my life? So for me, a quick check is, does this improve my you know, family life? Does this improve like fun and recreation? Does this improve business? Does this improve health? Does this improve spirituality? Like I literally go through the whole thing. So I can do this in 10, 10 to 30 seconds flat now. I mean, I'm just, I do it all the time. And I, I literally check those two things all the time. It doesn't have and, to cover all five of those, just w- at least one. No. Well, for my values, I'm pretty, I'm yeah. kind of a stickler for the values thing because I don't like to compromise values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Non negotiable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with, you know, like business, like take business decisions because that's an interesting thing, right? Like some business decisions for me 
I'll say, I'll do my check. And then I go, okay, am I, is it yes all over board? Is it yes for a small percentage of them? And what I do is there's a secondary questions I ask myself where I'm like, okay, well, if I'm like, eh, or if I don't know, why? Do I need more information? Do I need to process it for a day? Do I just need to sit and think? You know, or, you know, I'm just straight with myself. I'm like, or are you just, you know, like, are you holding back? Or are you, you know, BSing yourself? Like, what, what's the deal here, Sarah? Like, you know, I just get real straight with myself. Because at this point in my life, there's no option. There is no option to mess around. I've got a six and a half year old, depending on me on one ankle, right? I've got a massive business on the other. My husband runs two businesses. You know, the house is full, right? And I got to take care of me, right? And I know all you out there know what I'm talking about, like listening right now, right? Like I need to be responsible. That thing I said to myself when he was a newborn, it's time to show up. I don't get to just show up selfishly. Like my job as a leader right now is to show up for all my roles. I don't get to just lead in one corner and like go, oh, that's good. Right? Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people's minds are blown right now. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. So for me, I do that check, right? And then some, you know, there are some business decisions where I'm like, mm, okay, maybe it's okay if this isn't massively improving my fun life or my recreational life. But there's a but here. There better be other things that are because I'm not willing to compromise or create some massive gaping holes here in my life because I'm not going to go back because I know what happens. And you know, by the way, I've got a condition that's not going anywhere. Right. And I don't walk around in the world in a victim mentality. That's not who I am. I walk around the world with a very optimistic tilt, right? I walk around the world. I'm excited to get out of the bed every morning, right? I'm ready to go do my work. I just, you know, this morning took my son to school, dropped my husband off at his office. I mean, we had a whole day before we got on the call, right? I don't walk around in the world saying, oh, I have epilepsy. I better protect myself. Like, that's not. No, you don't. I can attest to that for sure. <laughs> that's not how I live. And there are non-negotiables because I know the cost, right? And I think it's so important for people to hear this because you're still one of the most successful people I know, one of the people I most admire in the world, the person who's probably up to the biggest things who I know. You know, there's all these things that you're doing. It doesn't mean that you're just sitting around, like, creating boundaries. You're living your life. You're being successful, but you're also doing it with the boundaries. Yeah, and I will say this. Yes, yes, and I will say this. I say no so much more than I say yes. And it's hard. It's hard sometimes. Like, I mean, even just in the last few weeks, I said no to a couple offers, one to go to a private event and another thing to, you know, actually there was kind of two private event type things. And, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't get that human feeling of, oh, what am I going to miss out on? Or was that a mistake? Or, you know, I'm human, right? But I just check in and I go, get straight, woman. You know, what matters most? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, 
I trust myself and I trust the universe. I do. I ultimately, I trust myself and my ability to make good decisions and to create what I'm going to, what I'm here to create in the world, what I'm here to build on the right timeline. I'm not worried about anyone else's timeline or the world's timeline. I trust and I move forward. Well, I'd love to do a whole nother show just on that because I have a million things I could say, but I'm going to end it here. So thank you, Sarah. I want you to tell everyone where they can find you before we sign off. Sure. Um, best place is our website, uh, soulpower.com. And on social media, we're, our handle is uh, at be soulpowered. Amazing. We'll put all those links below this episode. So thank you so much. As you heard, all the amazing I Heart My Lifers listening, Sarah has inspired us today and reminded us why it's so important to have those boundaries and that that's what's going to enable you to be that indestructible leader, to grow your following and your tribe, and to have amazing success and live the life that you were meant for. So remember, you too can create a life that's better than your dreams. Take action, show up, and get started today. And I'll be back with another episode of the I Heart My Life show very soon. So until then, have an amazing day and we'll talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at I Heart My Life Now. And did you know, I'm on the radio every single day. Visit americaoutloud.com to download the talk radio app so you can tune in at 8 a.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. GMT. GMT.